Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we explore our year in the national parks, our international travel experiences, and our love for everything budget travel. We're Cole and Elizabeth Donaldson, a regular Midwest couple who quit our jobs and set off on a year-long adventure to visit all 59 U.S. national parks in 2016. That set off our travel addiction, and since then we've visited over 50 countries. We've made travel a priority without breaking the bank, and we're here to share that with you. Well, it has officially been three years since we returned from our National Parks trip that we're still going on and on and on about. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's that important uh, to us, at least. (laughs) Maybe not to anybody else, but... um, Yeah, the National Parks celebrated their 102nd, I guess, right? 102nd? No, 103rd. It's been three years. Three years. Yeah since 100 that would make it 103rd so 103rd birthday of the national park service on october 25th august that's the month i meant that's the month (laughs) that goes backwards yeah august 25th and so we just celebrated that and now i all you know i get these notifications all the time about here's where you were four years ago because four years ago we started our trip three years ago we finished our trip uh so it just always brings me back to that year. Yeah. This time last year we were in Zion. You mean this time four years ago? Four years. Sorry. Okay. This time four years ago. We time were in is Zion. hard. Time is hard. Yeah. It's, Months are hard. It's crazy to think how much it sh- has shaped us. And I can truly say we wouldn't be the same people without uh, going on this trip and having this year long formative experience going through all these national parks. It was a challenge individually. It was a challenge for our relationship. It was a huge, we feel, accomplishment and something we can be proud of and share with other people. And, you know, that's why we do this, of course. As you know, if you listen, have listened before, is to inspire other people to pursue their own, you know, adventures, bucket lists, goals, um, travel and for us that all started with the 59 national parks trip and yeah everything we're going to talk about today really stemmed from that trip I think a lot of the budget lessons we've learned a lot of the um, you know the love for hiking and for the outdoors and for finding off the beaten path uh, destinations all around the world all of that comes from that national parks trip we originally uh, originally took Absolutely. And uh, just to give a quick plug, if you are new uh, to us Switchback Kids um, and you are a fan of the national parks, we have posts, videos, guides, photos on all the 59 national parks in the U.S. Uh, now there's 61. So, and we have, you know, stuff on the latest two added too so anyway we hope we can be a great resource for anybody trying to plan trips to their own national parks we truly um, think they're america's biggest treasure but we are not talking about america today we are talking about europe good old europe that's right the Um, uh fourth continent i think oh that i had been to Really? In that order. I hadn't been to Europe at all until last summer, um, and I'd kind of been dying to go for a long time. So last summer was the summer for, for Europe for us. Right. We kind of did it, went about it in a, in a not typical way, too. Mm-hmm. And we spent about six weeks traveling through mostly Eastern and Southeastern Europe, and, uh, you know, we... Feel like we've been to some places that we don't always hear about in the popular travel destinations so we wanted to take this time you know although it's been a whole year since that trip we realized we never shared it on the podcast and we wanted to do that today um, and structure it kind of differently instead of just doing a straight run through of um, our planning our uh, 
transportation, transportation, our accommodations, our uh, activities, our highlights. Um, We will talk about all that. Typically, how we structure our trip reports. Right. We'll talk about all that, but we're going to frame it and and structure it within uh, myths that you commonly hear about Europe and particularly Eastern Europe that we found uh, not true. So we're going to get to that. But before we do, I wanted to do a quick um, Parks in the News section because I just like following Parks in the News and hopefully you do too because you're listening to Switchback Kids. If you um, want your own Parks in the News, Google Alerts. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's how we got that's, on this a long time ago. That's what we always do. Yep. Um, anyway, a couple of headlines that caught my eye over these last, uh, this last month is... Uh, in Cuyahoga Valley National Park, they are welcoming e-bikes to uh, the trails there. So that's a big deal for them. You know, you don't always think that uh, motorized vehicles and national parks on uh, motorized stuff on trails, at least, get along. Um, we also heard this week that the a watchdog agency of the government said that the U.S. government actually broke the um, law by keeping national parks open using entrance fees during the government shutdown. If you all were attuned to um, what was happening during that real long government shutdown, I think we I think it was over a year and a half ago at this point, um, the parks were getting trashed and. You're talking about the one over Christmas? Oh, was it just this Christmas? Yeah, we were in Seattle. We were in a national park during the shutdown. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Dope. Um, Nope. Anyway, that turns out that they broke the law, and uh, we'll see what comes to that. Um, Another two interesting headlines about wildlife in Isle Royale National Park. Isle Royale. I always Rookie say that. Rookie mistake. <laughs> Isle Royale National Park years, guys. in Michigan. They are continuing their reintroduction of wolves there, and they moved the first Michigan wolf into um, the national park because there used to be a healthy population, and now there's not, so they're going to change that for the health of the ecosystem. And then on um, in, oh, where what oh, Grand Canyon. Uh, National Park in Arizona in the North Rim. So um, they actually are reducing the bison herd there. So that's always controversial when they reduce uh, naturally reproducing animals. But again, they feel like that is necessary for the health of the ecosystem and habitat. Um, So those are four quick headlines for you um, because we are, we did start as a National Parks podcast and we always like to pay homage to the U.S. National Parks. But uh, as we said now, we're getting to some of our European travel. Our Euro trip. Yep. So just a little background, last last year we had four months in between uh, when Cole graduated and when he was going to start his big kid job, and so we knew that our, the main, uh, main event was overlanding through Africa. That was two months. We knew we had about six weeks before that to visit anywhere in the world. It was kind of open, very yeah. open-ended. I had never been to Europe. I really wanted to go to Europe. I had also never been to Africa, so those were kind of the two continents that I really wanted to hit. Um, and we, oh, by the way, talked about Africa in depth in an episode a couple um, months ago. I think it was maybe 61, uh, episode are you 61. Just guessing? Yeah, I'm just guessing. I'm okay. hoping I'm getting lucky. Um, but just search if you're interested in some incredible. Maybe I'll just dub over this. <laughs> incredible. Um, uh, travel and tips and highlights of Africa. Um, if we say so ourselves, <laughs> they're just incredible. incredible. Check it out. It's worth it. We kind of, you know, we had to decide which area of Europe we thought about it. Really wanted to also go to Scandinavia, Switzerland, Western Europe, places that were much going to be much more expensive. So as we were thinking about where we wanted to go within Europe, 
we kind of had some of these ideas of what people had told about us about Europe or what we just knew or we thought had been a fact. Yeah, um, what do you think about Europe? You think about the Eiffel Tower. You think about, like, kind the of romant- royalty in, romantic in, in the UK. Um, old cities and palaces and churches and yes, interesting architecture. And Italy and Rome, you know. The, 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 all of these places, though, are where? Western Europe. There's, like, a whole other... Um, more than half of the continent that doesn't you don't really think of right away. So the first myth is that Eastern Europe is just inferior to Western Europe. Western Europe's better. All the tourist attractions that are worth going to are in Western Europe. Er, <laughs> <laughs> we should have a myth sign. Uh, busted. Busted indeed. Um, so, you know, it, maybe you don't think that, but that really, I feel like, is a common um, narrative that you you hear um, based on what you know, what we knew about. And based Europe. on popularity. Yeah. Like the, the cities in Western Europe, I feel like, even though I've never been to most of them, I just think that they are more touristy. Yeah. Much more populated than the ones that we visited in Eastern Europe. And, you know, as we were looking at Europe, since we narrowed down that continent, we also really had to consider um, the budget that we had. And Eastern Europe is just multiples less expensive than Western Europe. So that was a big check in its favor as well. And the fact that Eastern Europe was not necessarily, uh, I mean, it was farther from us in the U.S. It um, is not necessarily a place you can just get in and out. Like, we felt like we wanted to spend, since we had a chunk, uh, a long chunk of time, six weeks, we wanted to spend it in a place where that would really be best served. Um, Eastern Europe, where it's a little harder to get around coming from the U.S., and um, we just felt like it was easier, it was a better place to connect and uh, do a bunch of things at once. Yeah, and if you remember, we had a whole Scandinavia trip planned out, but it, we wouldn't, we would have had to cut it, sh- you know, a few weeks shorter, just because of money. Yeah. So uh, that's why we chose Eastern Europe, and now uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the planning and a big myth that we had heard with planning is that you have to bring a lot of local currency when you're going to Europe. Um, Er. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Please keep doing that. Uh, This, we we didn't find this to be true at all. And really, in our previous travel, we like just going to ATMs. Honestly, that's just a super simple way to get around having to travel with a lot of money because you pull out uh, the... um, currency in the low I mean it's in the local currency and the trick with that is that you need to check your bank card your debit card and check their ATM fee and understand you know if you if your bank doesn't like forgive ATM fees or something abroad there are ones that do I think um, I think Charles I remember, Schwab yeah Charles is Schwab one. is one that does um, so basically Find one that does, and yeah, you'll because be the, the ATM key- fees can get to you after a while. <laughs> Absolutely, that's just one of the smaller things. But yep. it, with planning, but overall with planning, we you know looked at the whole trip and and um, kind of centered it all around a central theme, which was national parks. I guess outdoors adventures, hiking, some of the greatest like natural areas that we researched around Europe. Um, So that was our big theme. But, you know, you might want to do city hopping. You might want to do, like, big bucket list items through Europe. Um, Whatever it is, just kind of, you don't have to stick to a certain theme. Uh, But that's just how we chose to frame our whole trip. Yeah. So um, we decided we wanted to move around a lot and not stay in one place for a long time. We also... I mean, it was just our priority when Eastern Europe was so new to see as much as possible of it. Um, And our itinerary then will just 
list it off real quick in case it's of interest. We, and keep it, uh, well, I'll reiterate that our priority was to see a lot of places. Yeah. You can save so much money. So much of our tra- uh, budget was spent on transportation from city to city. So even just doubling the length of time you spend in a certain city, you can slow way down. You can save so much money. You can definitely get to know a place a lot better. So I wouldn't say I necessarily recommend this itinerary for everybody. For us, it worked really well. So we had 37 nights in total, and four nights were in Frankfurt, where we started, three nights in Krakow, two in Stripski Pleso, which is in Slovakia. In the High Tatras, yep. yep. And Krakow, by the way, is in Poland. Um, then two nights in Budapest, Hungary, one was an overnight. We bust from Budapest to Zagreb, Croatia. Um, so after leaving Zagreb, we went to two nights in Ljubljana, Slovenia, and then three in Triglav National Park in Slovenia, uh, two in Plitvice uh, Lakes in Croatia. Oh, I forgot one after that one night was in Pula, Croatia. Ah, yes. And then two nights in Plitvice. I, I knew it didn't sound right. And then, Keep going. Okay. So after Plitvice, um, three in Split, Croatia, three in Dubrovnik, Croatia, two in Kator, Montenegro, one in Tirana, Albania, and two in Athens, Greece, two in Paros, an island of Greece, three in in Santorini, an island of Greece, and two in Athens, Greece. So that is overall our whole trip. If you are interested in you know, the specific places we stayed, uh, as far as accommodations and also a bunch of other details, um, we have those listed out in our Eastern Europe trip report on switchbackkids.com. But uh, that's just the full rundown. So that uh, came obviously with a lot of planning and logistics of um, you know what cities we wanted to hit when and for how long. But uh, transitioning or segueing from planning, another, heavily uh, planned item was our transportation. So now we're going to talk about transportation throughout Eastern Europe. But Cole, aren't trains the best way to travel through Europe? Eh. <laughs> you don't make the myth sound as good as I do. Eh. Oh, too loud. Baby's sleeping. Um, anyway, the trains, we had always heard that, you know, Europe is great for trains and it is. They have tons of trains everywhere. Lots of connections from city to city. Uh, but the tra- trains are not always the best and cheapest and fastest and most efficient way to get from city to city. Yeah, absolutely. And we basically... Uh, ran the gamut. If that's a good way to put it. Ran the gamut of all different types of transportation. Um we did a lot of plane because they have... We didn't do a lot of plane. I guess not a lot. Just a couple. We did a few flights because there are a lot of great budget airlines. Everybody knows Ryanair, but there are also some other um, really good ones like... Uh, what, what did we use in Greece? It was Air... Aegean. 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 Yeah, Aegean Air. Aegean yeah. Air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had good snacks. <laughs> they did. <laughs> so I, we took a plane. So basically, we took planes. We took buses. This is from city to city. We took train, a train, several several trains, ferries, and even a, like an open jaw style rental car from Zagreb to Dubrovnik uh, through Croatia and Slovenia. Then within cities, we also used Ubers and other ride shares. We used taxis. We used a lot of public transportation. We used a lot of walking. <laughs> um, but basically, we experienced almost every kind of uh, transportation imaginable. It just took a lot of research to know which was the cheapest and the fastest often and the just the, the best for our trip. Right. I think that's the takeaway, is that there's no one way that's always going to be best. Um, if you're looking for 
the cheapest, it's probably bus. Um, if you're looking for the quickest, it's probably train or probably plane. If you're looking for, I mean, some places you can't get any other way than ferry because the couple plane routes they have don't work for you. I know that's the, our case in uh, Greece when we were traveling to the islands. So just, um, yeah, just do your research and also don't be afraid to rent a car because that was in the specific two countries we used it in the best way by far because we were trying to get to all of these places in Slovenia and Croatia that were in the countryside uh, that we had uh, because we had a particular schedule that was pretty fast we wanted to make the most of our time and not be beholden to uh, a tour a tour or uh, just the public transportation yeah yeah places I I feel like that was a good like hop in, hop out of the car sort of road trip through yep. Croatia and Slovenia. So it was perfect for a car. And it was not intimidating to rent a car. Not not too scary to drive around. Yeah. And great tip is within the um, European Union countries, you can travel with your rental car uh, through any country. I mean, that was our rental agreement. Right. I don't think it's always like that. But we were able to start in Croatia in Zagreb, drive through Slovenia, and then end back in Croatia in Dubrovnik, uh, because Croatia is just like a, a weird comma shape of a country. Um, and the reason that's so important is that they charge huge fees if you drop it off in, in a, a different, different country. country. So we didn't want to drop it yep. off in Slovenia. We wanted to go through all Slovenia and that we, we wanted to. And we didn't want to pick it up in Slovenia either. Yeah. So. It worked really, really well for those two particular countries, which that's just a great, those are just two two of our favorite, new favorite countries also. Side right. Mm-hmm. So after you cover your transportation, you have... So that was a big part of the planning was, was mapping it all out. Okay, we're going to get from here to here using a bus, and then we're going to get from here to here using this, this uh, plane exact route. Um, so, but once we did that, once we had our dates and our planes booked and our flights purchased and some of those big logistics done, the next thing I always do is look for accommodations. So what do you know about Europe? When you think of Europe, especially when you think of young people visiting Europe, we think of hostels. Hostels are of course the best way to stay in Europe, right? (laughs) <laughs> How was that? That was worse. Uh, no, of course not. So there are a lot of amazing hostels. We did not... F- yes. You can't clap on the podcast. <laughs> you just I was killing a mosquito. Go? It was a mosquito. You don't want those chewing us up. Are you going to focus? Yeah, I'm focused. I'm here. I'm in it. <laughs> this is staying in, by the so, way. So no, of course... There are other options besides hostels. We actually found a lot. We found the hostels to be rather expensive for two people. And we found Airbnbs and even some just booking.com accommodations um, much cheaper for much more cost effective for two people. Yeah. And Elizabeth is the queen of Airbnb. So she has got that down to a science, which we have detailed previously. With our Airbnb uh, and all all of our accommodations. So the thing about Airbnbs, and I I think it can be really intimidating for for somebody to book Airbnbs uh, outside of the U.S., if you're from the U.S., outside of your country, somewhere where uh, English might not be spoken. It just might be a little more intimidating. We have had super good luck with Airbnbs all over the world in... um, including lots of international destinations. So Airbnbs are everywhere. (laughs) They're very abundant in Europe. Um, What I would say is definitely read all the reviews. There are a lot of really cheap Airbnbs, um, but a lot of them also have things like shared bathrooms. So we experienced a, a lot of places that were not as not so much somebody's house, but a you know an apartment with three bedrooms 
and one bathroom and one kitchen. And so you might just, you you know, you have a room and then you share the bathroom and the kitchen. And that was fine. It was almost more like a hostel for us with, uh, with private rooms. Um, so, but definitely if you're concerned about that, read all the reviews, read the house rules, read the description really carefully. Um, a lot of them are self-check-in. This might be better for you or worse for you, depending on your situation for us. Sometimes we were getting to a place in the middle of the night, so it was better for us. Um, where we experienced really great, uh, where we had good Airbnb experiences was Krakow, Budapest, Triglav, National Park, Split, Dubrovnik, Kator, Tirana, Athens, and Santorini. Those are where we used Airbnbs, and I don't think we really had any bad experiences. Um, where we were more, now I like to, so how I like to plan accommodations, especially in a place like Europe, I kind of go to the city, I go to Hostel World, <laughs> I find what, what a bed approximately costs, and I try to find an Airbnb or a hotel room that's cheaper than two beds, basically. And they're almost always nicer than sleeping, than Cole and I sleeping in a hostel in separate rooms. Um, so I've also used Booking.com quite a bit, which are, you know, similar to Airbnb, a lot of them. Some of them are hotels, but some of them are more apartment style. A lot of them are bed and breakfasts. Um, just, again, read all the reviews. Make sure it's the kind of scene, the kind of situation that you want to be in. Uh, because some are better than others, for sure. Uh, where we had luck with Booking.com was in Stripsky Pleso in High Tatras, Ljubljana, Slovenia, Plit Plitvice Lakes in Croatia, and Paros. That's where we were able to find that. And then we've also had tons of good luck with Hostel Worlds in the past on other trips, especially Southeast Asia. Um, places like that, but we didn't have as much luck with that in Europe. And like I said, it was just much more cost effective for two of us. And we also had a third friend on our uh, trip for a while too. So especially when there were three of us, it was just much better to get an Airbnb or hotel and split it three ways. Yeah, I never realized that we didn't take in any hostels. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I always looked because I love staying in hostels. It's they're fun. They usually have a lot of times they have breakfast. A lot of times they have lots of good tips and and, and cool, events, cool people and that you meet people. and good hangout spots. Um, but we just never really found some any great ones. Yeah. Now, when I've been traveling alone in Europe, I've stayed in great hostels, um, mostly in Spain, Italy, Ireland. Uh, I guess those are all. Western Europe, aren't they? So maybe that's another factor is maybe... You were also by yourself. And, and I was by myself, and of course. And then I think it's hostel's a great place to stay. Mm -hmm. I would almost prefer it if I was by myself over a uh, Airbnb, probably. So that is accommodations. Yeah, and, and did not mention, but uh, we averaged $35 a night for accommodations during those 37 nights. Which is crazy to think about. That is... So cheap for you. Yeah, for both of us. So, yeah. you know, if, if you think about it, like 17 50, yeah. 50 a night per person is very, very affordable. So, speaking of that, so yeah, don't you have affordable. to be cold? Don't you have to be rich to visit Europe? Yeah, obviously not. Uh, uh, <laughs> because we are not rich, and I just, I was coming off a year of being a student and. Um, yeah, so we did not have a big bank account to play with. And I will say also, though, that we did not, it, our trip could have been much cheaper. Yeah. Because we didn't skimp on things. We did everything we wanted to do. We just planned really well and, and made it work for very, very cheap. Yeah, and, so you want to say that last part again? Yeah. We just planned it very well and made it work for cheap. We just planned it really well and made it work for just very cheap. So how we want to talk about activities is, first of all, um, well, how we went about it was planning a few big highlights that we knew we had to hit. 
these were the Acropolis in Athens, um, a long hike, like we really wanted to get into a, a national park like scenic mountain area, and so we kind of planned a place to do that specifically. Um, then we had uh, Auschwitz, which we were really um, interested in visiting. And then, let's see, I, those were really the big three that we had. Yeah, because our trip wasn't centered as much around um, like big, uh, iconic, you know, landmarks. It was more just a lot of little fun experiences that didn't have to be planned in advance. We're also not big, um, you know, day tour tour type of people like join a group a guided tour around the Acropolis we're not super big on on uh, spending money in that way some people are which is fine it's just however you want to spend your money Um, so basically we had the big highlights and then as we got to the cities we kind of then filled in the rest you know we always 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 go on a free walking tour when we mm-hmm. go to a new city, that's like the first thing we do. So we usually leave that first day open, fairly open, and look at online what time their free walking tours are, are held, and then join it like the second we get into the city. <laughs> that's like always the first thing we do. Because at these free walking tours, then you can ask a lot of questions about restaurants and bars and off the beaten path things to do, and we find that the tour guides are really, really helpful. So our main message for activities is to plan a few big highlights and research those in advance, possibly book them in advance, like we had to do with our tour of Auschwitz. And then um, the rest, really, that's where we kind of save energy planning-wise, is we wait to do our planning until we get there, until we get a lay of the land, until we get the local resources and maps. because we never know how we're going to feel, if our schedule is going to change, if we find out about something really cool that we would have never found on the internet. So we like to leave the filler activities, uh, smaller activities, until we get there. And I would say the very, very last thing we plan are restaurants. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because we are such not foodies. And I I know so, so many people who are the opposite, Um, When it comes to traveling, like, that's what they want to do mainly is eat. And I totally understand that. Like, I relate to that in a lot of ways. (laughs) It's just not how we plan our trips. I wish we were better at being able to recommend restaurants. But honestly, we're just not that good at, you know, researching restaurants for ourselves. So we have come up with a formula for visiting any city, anywhere, um, that we recommend. Uh, we you know, always go through this for ourselves when we're going to a new city, and it's number one, finding a view. This is you know, just a general view of the city that gives you a great lay of the land. Number two, a learning experience, because what is a new place without all the context behind it? This is usually a free walking tour or a museum. Mm-hmm. Number three is a cultural experience, and again, what is a new place without the flavor behind it and really seeing it in full color? And what would you say this is? This is, you know, seeing, uh, stopping by at, uh, l- at some local event they're having or walking through the park and seeing how people are doing or taking a, going to you know, sit down at a cafe and have a coffee um, yeah, or watch you know watching them dance in Argentina on the streets, things yeah. like that. Like, go kind of, and this is a, another. It, it's almost I, a lot of these things feel very touristy, um, but I also think there are a lot of more authentic experiences you can get if you do a little research and ask your free walking tour guide. <laughs> and we said we aren't foodies, but the next thing is something to eat. I think. We do try to find at least one thing in each city that we're really interested in trying, like a local cuisine. Yeah, I would say we're pretty good at knowing the food of a city, but not the restaurants. Yep. Like, we're not very good at researching specific restaurants. Um, But we knew, you know, we knew when we went to 
Greece that we really wanted to eat a lot of real Greek salads. So every a lot of restaurants we went to, we just ordered Greek salads because they were always amazing. And then the last part is something that uh, could be a little more specific to our taste, but it's an outdoor experience. Uh, Most cities have, you know, a park or a Cole really likes cemeteries, which I am not as keen on, but <laughs> Cole really likes them. Um, most have a little trail that you can go to or just, you know, again, just walking outside, sitting by the water, doing all sorts of like outdoorsy fun things. So a view, a learning experience, a cultural experience, something to eat, and an outdoor experience. So Elizabeth, you want to give us an example? Yeah, I wrote down an example of this formula in practice when we visited Athens. Um, And so a lot of these things were planned, and a lot of these things we just kind of stumbled upon happily. Um, So first, a view. This would be, I think this was the main event, the Acropolis, with the going up to the Parthenon and the whole Acropolis Museum. So that whole like campus of, of sites um, just gave a ton of good views of the city. You walk pretty high up onto this hill and you can see all the other little hills throughout Athens. Um, and then the museum itself has a great view of the Parthenon from inside the museum, just the way it's laid out. So obviously you can't miss this. You can't miss going to the Acropolis and the Parthenon when you are in Athens. Second, a learning experience. We really, really loved the National Archaeological Museum in Athens and how we went about this. You can get a guided tour. We went to the Rick Steves podcast and downloaded the audio guide through this museum. Wait, Elizabeth, isn't Rick Steves only for old people who need their hand held? Uh, <laughs> we love Rick Steves. He's like our he's like a dad. Right? He's like he's like a traveler's nice uncle or something. I don't know. He's just maybe, he's just cozy. Yeah, gosh. This is weird. <laughs> uh, maybe you love him. I, I think he gives some good information um, with a lot of dad jokes, granted. So sure. a lot of corny humor. But it was, um, you know, the, his app is great. It has a it's lot. It's not an app. It's just through podcasts. Oh, yeah. It's just a podcast. Podcast is great. It has a lot of downloadable episodes. Yeah, and what I like across about Europe. his podcast though his audio tours is that you can just walk around and he'll tell you exactly where to go like stop at this uh, sculpture and then he'll tell you about it and stop in this room and I really like that it moves you through museums um sometimes Cole needs a little nudge to move through (laughs) museums at a (laughs) human pace um but yeah anyway that's just a tip for I love audio guides and they're usually free of like most major museums I'd prefer that over a a paid tour almost any day. Anyway, yeah. that's the learning experience. Uh, and uh, I will say real quick, the National Archaeological Museum was quite worth it, I think. Um, it was, it, people might think that I went to the Acropolis Museum, which also has a lot of great works of art, sculptures, etc. And the, yeah, that, that could fill that void for a lot of people, but uh, this was really... Um, a great uh, like it was even broader content it was a lot of interesting stuff uh in the archaeological museum as well so i would recommend that as in addition um again with the rick steve's audio made it cool and then this cultural experience is just kind of is complementary to the the you know ancient athens experience and that's visiting a lot of the smaller sites around the city that are less popular than the Parthenon. You know, a lot of people are on a cruise, so they're just going to come in, go to the Parthenon, and leave. And so a lot of these other sites were really interesting and also not crowded. So sites like Hadrian's Arch, um, the, the Nike big mm-hmm. stadium, right? What was – so that was – or the Olympic yeah, the stadium. I should have – double-checked what that was called, Mm -hmm. Um, the ancient agora, places like that. So they're just dotted all around the city. Um, And you can get a combo ticket to visit all of those places. And you can also, Rick Steves also has an ancient agora podcast that you can listen to while you're walking around. Yeah. What I really liked was the bazaar. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a big, you know, outdoor market area. And I felt like that had a lot of local people as well. 
Um, yes, it's still uh, maybe mostly tourists. I don't know. But it had a lot. I mean, it's where people go to shop. So... Um, I would, yeah, a lot of these, huge. I think a lot of the, a good sign of a good cultural experience is that it's free or yeah. almost free. Mm-hmm. Like something, if you know, if you're paying a ton of money for a cultural experience like a luau in Hawaii, it might not be the most authentic cultural experience you can do. Not to say you shouldn't do it, um, but you know, if you're paying a lot for it, it's going to be somewhat touristy, possibly. Next, something to eat. Like I mentioned, Greek salads. Just every restaurant, Greek salads were cheap and so good and hunks of feta. <laughs> so delicious. Um, and then finally, outdoor experience. We This was just happened. We happened to get to do this outdoor experience because our free walking tour in Athens um, took us up to the Oropagus, Oropagus Hill. Sure. Something yeah. like that. Or Aeropagus, Aer- uh, <laughs> however you say it. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, you know, our guide was a local, and she, it, our group was really small, and she was walking us up this park, this hill, up this this kind of empty city park. And it looked very and she, unassuming. She was like, don't, don't look around. I like to surprise people with this view. And so she, we walked, and we looked straight ahead, <laughs> and then we got all the way up to the top, and she was talking the whole time. And we got all the way up to the top, and then she told us all about the city, and then she said, okay, turn around. And we saw the most amazing view of the city, and we had not read about this in any book. We had not read about it. Nobody had told us about this view, um, So, I, and hardly anyone was up there. A few people were up there watching the sunset, and it was around sunset, and it was just really cool. And we got a good view of the Parthenon from up there, too. And one of the craziest pieces is uh, that she shared this is the birthplace of democracy. Yes. This unassuming hill was where they apparently, you know, the first parliament of sorts sat uh, and they had people giving their speeches, you know, at the bottom, speaking up to the crowd. Um, so it was a really cool thing that, again, we had heard nothing about in any books or blogs. So the it was kind of a mesh of learning experience, cultural experience, like a lot of things, outdoor, and a lot of yeah. things are so, a lot of experiences you have in a city will fulfill many of these uh, aspects of the formula. But when we, even when we visit places in the U.S., we always follow this formula. Which even when we go to like St. Louis or you know, explore our own city of St. Louis or go to Chicago or go to Seattle or something. Uh, we always keep this in the back of our mind to to uh, increase our enjoyment of the place. Yeah, I was just thinking about Frankfurt real quick and I can like go through what we did, the formula there in, in 20 seconds. A view, we went to the Hesse building and s- saw the um, view of the whole city it's gonna from be way more than 20 seconds <laughs> <laughs> anyway the learning experience was when we went to um, the the cathedral and, and walked around with your um, great uncle and he told us everything about what was you know the whole city um, the cultural was the um, Oh, it Apple was... Apple wine? No, or was that, that, that food? Was the, that that, that's food. the food. Oh, the opera. That's what I was the thinking. Opera. The mm-hmm. opera we went to, which is a huge thing in Frankfurt. The the cult, the something yeah, to eat was the apple an, wine. Just P.S. That's another really good way to get a cultural experience is look at the events in the city. And if there's a concert or something like that, that's always something we try to check out. Yeah. And the last thing, the outdoor experience, we went on a boat tour, you know, just a couple hour tour of the Rhine River. And saw the valley and yeah. hiked, hiked and up to a couple just, castles. And that's just Frankfurt. We could go on every city yeah. and talk about things that we do because this is this formula that we follow, and that's I think it's really helpful. So now we want to go through just give it pay each um, pay each country we went to uh, its due, and just give a few highlights of each country rapid fire style. And in the order we went through them, so we started in Germany, and we were staying with family, which is fantastic. And side note, I highly recommend anytime you can meeting up with people who are locals. That might sound obvious, but I would um, 
encourage everybody to stretch their comfort zone and reach out to people who they might not feel like they're close enough to host them because number one, anybody who we've ever stayed with has been so thrilled to host us, show us around, show off their place. I mean, I think about how I would love doing the same for somebody who came to St. Louis from a different country. Um, I guess my point here is just be, um, you know, be bold with asking people that you might know, you know, a distant family member or an old coworker or something who lives in a different city, uh, if you're visiting it to show you around. Um, anyway, we stayed with family in Frankfurt, Germany, and our favorite thing there was going to the restaurant that we alluded to earlier. Uh, it was called... It was my grandpa's favorite restaurant when when uh, he lived in Frankfurt. He grew up in Frankfurt. Yeah. And so he always went there. I do not remember what it's called. Galton House, right? Is that sounds right. Pa- painted windows or painted, painted house in English. Anyway, the big Frankfurt thing is apple wine. So we had a whole jug of that. <laughs> and it just enjoyed the family part of it. So... Next, Poland. We only visited one city in Poland, um, which was Krakow, and that was a really pleasant surprise of a city. I don't think we expected to love it so much, um, but the main thing we saw there was the uh, site of Auschwitz, which was obviously very sobering, very powerful, very captivating. Um, It's almost hard to say that it was our favorite, and we enjoyed it because it was like just a kind of pit in the stomach sort of thing. Um, but beyond that, so we spent a day there. Beyond that, we also really enjoyed the free walking tours through Krakow, the really good food that they had, including very favorite ice cream in the world, guys. We eat a lot of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And favorite ice cream in the world called Good Lude in Krakow, Poland. Yeah, anytime we talk about Europe, we bring this ice cream up. Um, Anyway, in Slovakia, we mentioned one of our big things was planning around a hiking location, and Slovakia was it. We went hiking in the High Tatras. Um, Specifically, we went to a beautiful chalet next to a lake that was encompassed by mountains that was called Shata Papradsky Pleso, and at the top of a incredibly beautiful Skok waterfall with even more beautiful like feeder lakes behind it. The It was just gorgeous mountain scenery. Um, so, yeah. And I really recommend. liked that there were no Americans there. Yep. And really, no, a, a very few English-speaking tourists there. Um, it, it was a very touristy place. Like, it was a ski resort sort of place. Um, but for a lot of... It seemed like a lot of Polish tourists because it's kind of right there on the border. Um, and Slovakian tourists as well. Next, Hungary. So we took a train from High Tatras to Budapest through Bratislava and um, just really enjoyed the train ride itself. Um, But the highlight of Hungary, a highlight of Budapest, was the really cool, very popular, very worth it bathhouse called Shenshi. Szczeny. <laughs> something like that. Szczeny. Uh, hung- Hungarian, I think, is renowned as the hardest language to learn and we speak. We butchered so many Slavic languages yep. throughout and, all and the countries. Hungarian isn't even Slavic. That's the, the really tough. Uh, I don't think so. Don't quote me. But I think that's the thing that makes it so difficult is that it's totally unique. Okay. Yeah. Um, Regardless, we butchered it. Yeah. Um, there was a volcano sauna at this bathhouse that was 80 degrees Celsius. And the whole, like, it was just a really interesting mix of cold baths and hot baths. And there's like a whole system you, you go if you are visiting there. But we just kind of chilled in the pretty hot bath <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> um, they also had really cool nightlife at the ruin bars. And so a lot of these, a lot of bars that just have like junk hanging all over the walls. And just really interesting to get a beer and look around and and whatnot. And grab some of the food, uh, especially the uh, chimney cake and the langos and did traditional like, goulash. Did you like the chimney cake? Um, I didn't it, like the chimney cake it very was, much. Yeah, it was just. I one did of those. like the langos, langos, mm-hmm. langosh. 
My yeah. gosh. Because it's fried. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there on a diet. Um, Slovenia. Slovenia was incredibly charming. Um, we loved particularly the pedestrian-friendly riverside bridge crisscrossed city of Ljubljana, the capital, um, and had some really pleasant cafes there. Uh, then the natural wonders were on point. Uh, we went to Triglav National Park, another place where we got a ton of great hiking in through the mountains. Triglav is kind of encompasses Lake Bled as well, which is a very famous view. Uh, it has an island church in the middle of it, and that was gorgeous. Uh, also, the caves of Slovenia were really cool. Um, Skocian Caves in particular was the one we went to and it was um, had an underground Grand Canyon basically it, one of the deepest canyons that you can tour in a cave um, yeah so Slovenia was our favorite country in Europe because it was so compact and every stop seemed better than last yeah, another one of our favorites was Croatia. We got to see a lot of Croatia because, like we said, we road tripped through it. Um, so we started in Zagreb. That's where we bust from Budapest to Zagreb. And even that city was really cool. We saw the the um, uh, Museum of Broken Relationships, which oh, was yes. super interesting. I would definitely recommend going there. There's Just one in L.A. The too. Yeah, and and then this the original one in Zagreb, which is just really really cool museum then anyway then we drove through slovenia but then we ended up northern croatia and pula um which had this really really well preserved roman amphitheater that's kind of like a small coliseum uh, but much more intact and so and much less crowded (laughs) much much less crowded just in the middle of the city um and then the gorgeous terraces of the plitvice lakes national park um crazy crowded so I would recommend getting there very very soon very very early in the day because most people tour bus in from probably Split or Dubrovnik somewhere else Um, so you might have an hour or two to get you know to to get some pictures without any people on on, like filling up the boardwalks Um, it was literally a conga line in a lot of places yeah in some places in some places it was really lovely you know there's like the north loop up at the very northern end, I think, like the top of the waterfalls, um, <clears throat> was not as crowded. Also, I really recommend going up um, because it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to explain, but the waterfalls cascade down, and then on the sides of this, you know, water cascading waterway, you have. Um, these big walls that you can kind of climb up and get on top of the wall and look down into all of these pools. It sounds way more treacherous than it was. It was a trail. Yeah, it was a trail. It wasn't a wall that you have to climb up. And anyway, try to figure out what I mean if you're visiting because it was incredibly worth it to go up out of the like main alley of the um, waterfalls and look down you're above everybody it's not crowded at all and you get some incredible uh, bird's eye views now I will say we visited in uh, June June of 2018 I think since then they've changed their ticketing system where I do believe you have to either buy tickets in advance or something kind of crazy um, so do research now because I don't I think it has changed since we visited because I've heard of people getting there early, you know, getting getting to the park and not being able to go, like just not being able to let it be let in because they have like a quota for the day. Anyway, that's Plitvice National Park. Um, next, we drove down to Split and we stayed at an Airbnb that was kind of up away from the city near the Klis Fortress, which was one of my favorite sites in all of Croatia. And it's the site of where Game of Thrones was filmed, the city of Mirin. Marine. Marine. Mm-hmm. I always mispronounce that. Marine. Um, anyway, you feel like Khaleesi when you walk around the Khaleesi Fortress, for sure. And that, again, really, really good views of Split and the sea. 
We also really loved doing some island hopping off of the island of Havar. So we ferried from Split to Havar and then took got on like a $6 little loop to, that took you to three different islands. One was a, uh, a nude beach island, which was really fun to do for the first time. It felt like you're real Europeans. Yeah, yeah. And then the other two just, you know, there were restaurants and bars and places to swim and just relax and lounge. And that was just kind of a nice day, a cheap, cheap island hopping day. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, kind of culminated all of all of Croatia at the very southernmost city of Dubrovnik. And that was, of course, huge Game of Thrones city. We took a Game of Thrones tour, which I think was worth it. And more touristy than we usually like to keep it. But I, I had fun. Um, and then just walking around the walled city of Dubrovnik, we even did a little cultural experience and went to a, a beer festival, craft craft beer festival that was like empty. Like like no one was there. (laughs) Beer hasn't exactly caught on, caught on from the looks of it. Um, I mean, I, it probably has, it just, it. I, maybe it was the first year of the festival or something. <laughs> anyway, we had super high expectations for Croatia's natural beauty, and it definitely delivered. Next, Montenegro. This, uh, along with the next country of Albania, were bonuses. Basically, we knew we wanted to be in Croatia. We knew we had to get to Greece, and uh, the best way to do that was to go through these two countries instead of fly over them. Um but we're super glad we did because Montenegro was gorgeous. We bust there, and there's a bunch of um, fjords in Montenegro, and at the back of one fjord is a city called Kator, so that's where we stayed. And um, the drive-in was, was gorgeous because you're literally driving along the fjord edge. Um and then one of the biggest things we did was climb up to the castle of San Giovanni, uh, and the m- kind of hiked, kept hiking to uh, up the mountain beyond, and just got beautiful views of Kator nestled in the back of this fjord, um, and <laughs> randomly found a uh, zip line that we rode for you know ten euros a piece um, across the fjord valley. Um, yeah, weird. And then we just kind of wandered the alleys again of this uh, walled city of Kator. And that was, oh, of course, can't forget about the cat museum. We went to a museum that was just like a couple rooms, probably some guy's house that he really liked cats and decided <laughs> to start charging admission. Um, so it's, it had a lot of, yeah, cats, pictures of cats, cat memorabilia. Um, Again, kind of weird. But fitting for a cat museum. Yeah. Yeah. Next random bonus country was Albania, and that was because the flight from, I think you said this, but the flight from Tirana to Athens was the cheapest. So we got to experience a new city and a new country of Albania, which was very different. It seemed very different from, um, especially coming from Dubrovnik and uh, Couture, which were both very touristed places. Albania was the opposite of that, I would say. Um, we had a lovely Airbnb that was like $19 a night. We walked around the city. We did a free walking tour. We got to hear about the history. Um, their pretty recent crazy history. Um, we also just walked around, got ice cream, I believe. Of course. <laughs> and went to a, went to a um, restaurant that I, an Italian restaurant that I don't recommend sitting outside and on the patio, even though it sounds lovely and it's going to be like you get to enjoy the outdoors. Very smoky. If you sit on the at the uh, you know at the patio section of a restaurant in mostly anywhere in Eastern Europe, yeah. it'll be very smoky. They're especially big smokers in uh, Albania, though. Um, and the reason why Albania is so different is because than any of the other countries we were in in Eastern Europe was because it was uh, so recently a very communist country. And the history, again, is crazy. I would I would look up some of it because I didn't know any of it. But um, basically their dictator 
the Stalin regime was too soft for for him. The Mao regime in China was too soft. He like kept just dissing all of his communist allies and people who were trying to help him out and eventually uh, went crazy after building a bunch of bunkers, like thousands and thousands of cement bunkers around the country, uh, went crazy and was, I don't know, was he overthrown? I forget that part. It, it, yeah, he, he didn't last forever. The bunkers did, though. <laughs> yes, they so are still there. So you can still go visit, you can, you know, crawl into a bunker, watch out for the human poop. <laughs> and, but some of them were renovated and turned into museums. So I'd also recommend checking some of those out in Tirana. Last but not least, Europe country was Greece. And this one we definitely spent almost, maybe between this and Croatia, about, this, about the same amount of long time in Greece. We spent a few days in Athens, then we spent five days on the islands, and then we came back and spent another two days in Athens gearing up for our um, overlanding Africa trip. But highlights of Athens, definitely going through all the ancient ruins throughout Athens. Parthenon, Acropolis, Ancient Agora, all of those sites. Um, the ferry to the islands of Paros and Santorini were just wonderful, and it's just like everything you think of. Paros was nice because it was really quiet. We went to, some, we went to a couple of good beaches, um, and we just got to more relax when we were there. Um, and also the, on Paros, the best gyros ever. What were they called? I don't remember. Ooh, I'll look it up as well, you're talking. Okay, good. Cause it was the best and they were like a one, so cheap, like two, two euros and 50 cents or something. Um, and they were filling anyway, really good food on Paros. <laughs> and then Santorini was just a dream. It was something I had wanted to go to, an island I had wanted to go to for a long time. And it delivered. It was crowded, but it was just lovely. We stayed in, in the main, like in the center of the island on in Fira, in the town of Fira. We got an Airbnb where, and so we could walk to town, walk to the bus stop, go north, go south, go to the beaches, go to Ia for sunset. And the sunsets from Fira were also really nice. So Santorini was one of the biggest highlights of the whole trip. Was it the steakhouse restaurant? We'll put it in the we'll show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, Paro, uh, Paro, Santorini, the islands really did deliver, even though they're super touristed. Favorite, well, at least Santorini is. Yeah, favorite part of Santorini was walking on the rim trail the uh, along the caldera from Fira to Ia. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite thing on maybe all of Greece because it was really good views and you got away from the crowds. You got to see both cities, Fira and Ia, um, and just walking gave you all the angles of the island, um, but none of the like elbowing, getting hit by a selfie stick experiences. <laughs> you mean your favorite part wasn't riding on the back of the... Uh, scooter that uh, we rented yeah uh you're gonna say donkey because we definitely didn't do that yeah be careful when you go Cole's because the people part. they let rent scooters meaning me yep and others uh do not necessarily know what they're doing um so i was you didn't that, include your very favorite part of this highlight which was crashing our drone yeah i blocked yeah. that out of my memory we got it fixed in Athens, though, luckily, before we went to Africa. Anyway, we are digressing. Yep, big time. That is our crash course of it was supposed our to Eastern be Europe trip. more rapid fire, and it turned into <laughs> less rapid fire. But, you know, again, I hope you picked up some, um, some myths that we were able to counter, as well as tips for planning, transportation, accommodations, activities, um, and maybe a few highlights of stuff that you can do if you're if you're going to these same countries. Um, but thanks for checking us out today. Yeah, and we'll be back next month with another lovely podcast. And in the meantime, look in two weeks for a bonus podcast and a side series that I am starting all by myself. 
So it's going to be very fun. But look for that in a couple weeks in between the main podcasts. So if you enjoyed the podcast, as always, we'd love for you to share with a friend. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes, please. Uh, pretty please. And find us on Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. And you can always get more national parks and international travel videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks, Switchbacks out. out.